Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by winning two games in a row for the first time since 2014. Yes, let's go. Let's go. Do you like winning? So do we. Do you like winning two games in a row for the first time in three years? So do we. So welcome to the Goldcast, because we're going to talk about it after the break. But before we get started, Raymond, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can find us online, starting with facebook.com slash the Goldcast. You can like us there. You can follow us there. You can also like us and follow us on Instagram at the Goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at the Goldcast underscore. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher. No matter what platform you listen to, you can always find us. We are everywhere. Subscribe. Leave comments. Leave reviews. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Don't be rude about it. Otherwise, I won't talk to you. But if you're nice about it, I'm going to talk to you. It's going to be great. And we're going to have a great time. Tell me how much you like the 49ers. Tell my brother how much you like the 49ers. Talk about how awesome the last four-game stretches have been. It's good times right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Subscribe. Subscribe, like, follow. Tons of killer comments this week on YouTube. Wouldn't you agree, Ray? Lots and lots of great Yeah. Names. Yeah, lots of nice great feedback from, yeah, from the 49er faithful. I mean, all the way around. Um, just lots of thoughts and opinions, lots of discussions, lots of breakdowns and analysis. It was, we had a really great time chatting on YouTube and Instagram. Um, let's keep it up, guys. We love it. Here we go. Game two. It feels like week two because it is for Jimmy G. But here we go. Week two analysis. We're here to break it down. After the music starts, Goldcast, let's get busy. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Goldcast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom. Oh my God. Two wins in a row. The first time since 2014. I can't believe it. It's actually happening in front of my eyes, Raymond. This is this is not a drill. This is not a test. 49er faithful. Goldcast Nation. The San Francisco 49ers have won two games in a row. Can I get a hallelujah? Ha. Huh? Lay effing Yulia. <laughs> I was like, I was going. I don't know how to pronounce that either. <laughs> I was like, how do I pronounce the how do I pronounce the latter half of this word? So, um, anyways, pronounce pronunciations yeah. aside. Uh, another amazing game where another... the defense got a little bit tougher. Jimmy's job yeah. was not easier, but yeah. he still showed the same Jimmy that we saw last week for the most part. 100%. It got tougher. So if you're listening right now to the Goldcast, you're like us, and you're a San Francisco homer. And like us, you have been lucky enough to sit through one of the greatest stretches in San Francisco sports history. Seven championship appearances in seven years, one in, at least one in all three major sports. We had a San Francisco Giants dynasty, three World Series in five years, we may be on the cusp of a Golden State 
Warriors dynasty. We'll see what happens at the end of this year. And now, the original dynasty, the king of dynasties in San Francisco, the number one team, in our opinion, the San Francisco 49ers, have begun to make their way back. It's small, it's glimmer, it's, a, it's still a dark road ahead of us. It's just tiny baby steps, but it's beginning right here, right now, and all the faithful, we are part of it. We are watching it live. When all those bandwagoners jump back onto this team next year, talking about how much they love the 49ers, don't forget that we were here in the trenches making it happen. Welcome to the Gold Cast. So, Ray, let's start first with, I mean, obviously, week two, game two, analysis number two, and still undefeated Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo. Ray, what did you see? Let's talk about this. A tougher defense. A tougher defense. I love that he got tested at this level. This was important. This is the kind of game that we start to get. It's, you know, it's different when he's just dinking and dunking last week and he's just bobbing and weaving and it's all good. Now we're seeing pressure. Now we're seeing sacks. Now we're seeing things start to break down. I want to hear your expert fanalist opinion. What did you see out of Jimmy Garoppolo how did you feel after his second performance as a starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers? Well, I was nervous, obviously, because it's like, all right, you know, like, is this guy a fluke? You know, the two wins in New England is a very different sampling that I can't really – I can only hold with, you know, trust with a grain of salt because he ha- he was in a different system, much more proven system with a better cast around him. So naturally he looked great in that system, much like – Backup quarterbacks have, have looked when the Niners were in their dominance, you know, whether it was Steve Young or another backup behind Joe Montana. Everyone looked great, and Steve Young was the only one that, you know, kind of rose to the top and was able to do something great with the team. But in this case, it's like, all right, how's he going to do? How's he going to do? And once again, I mean, it wasn't 70% of his passes, but it was 60%, which is still a really good percentage. He threw for over 300 yards. He is quite. He's not af- I noticed that he's not afraid to make like gunslinger throws, but not like it's not like Brett Favre who just kind of heaves it and hopes. You know, Brett Favre's like a gunslinger, like ah, just I'm just gonna throw it over there and hopefully my guy gets it. That like that. I'm not I'm not saying that's what Brett Favre thinks or that's what he's thinking when he threw the balls, but that's just how he played. That's just the the kind of that was what his body language said to me when he would make throws. Whereas Jimmy just sees like, you know, I'm, I feel pretty confident that I can get this ball in here. So I'm just going to try to throw it. And I un- understand that one of them led to an interception. There was a couple other ones that were in really tight coverage. I was kind of like, Ooh, geez, those look like kind of dangerous throws. But for some reason I'm like, okay with it. Where if it was CJ or Blaine, I would feel like that almost like every play, like, Oh God, well, you know, who's, who's going to almost get this ball this time. Is it going to be our guy or their guy. Where in this case, it's like, once again, you have another week where he distributes the ball, spreads it all over the place. And how many times did we see him where he looks to his number one, doesn't see something there, and then looks to the other side of the field and then finds somebody and then just kind of heaves it in there? I mean, he did that numerous times today. He threw yeah. to like eight different receivers today. Eight different receivers. So eight different receivers caught one or more passes today. I think Law Murphy got only one, but everyone else got two. Kyle Juszczyk got three. Goodwin had six. Goodwin had another great game. Goodwin's really stepped up the last couple weeks, which is great because I thought he was kind of like, wow, what an amazing speed. He looks so great in preseason. And then he was super crappy for like three or four straight games, just dropping balls left and right. So, but Jimmy G and him just seem to have an instant rapport. I know that Trent Taylor was not as big a factor this game. I think that the Texans defensive plan was really designed to take, try to take Goodwin and Taylor out of the rhythm. They, 
you know, nullified Trent Taylor for a little bit. He did have a couple catches, but Goodwin just has really good speed. And so I think he's able to just find, find his way to get, get open because he's, there's not a lot of guys that are as fast as Marky Goodwin. So that's his advantage. So, and it's been working out, you know, uh, six catches, 106 yards. But if those guys aren't there, then we have Kyle Juszczyk who had two, uh, three amazing catches. We had, Garrett Selleck, who only had two catches, but they were two catches on a pivotal drive, you know, to get him the touchdown pass. So it's Selleck time. You heard Marquise Goodwin yeah. talk about that. It's Selleck time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was uh, it was awesome. It's just great. I mean, Jimmy G just re- regardless of whether he gets hit, he's like always looking downfield. Like you know, like a really cool sign of a quarterback that's just like really locked in and zoned in is when they get hit or pressured, they're constantly looking downfield. Well, I, I understand that I got hit. I don't care about that. Did my ball hit my receiver? That's what I want to know. Did my ball reach the receiver? Did we get the first down? Did I did I get the playoff? Not like I'm going to deer in the headlights. I'm going to run for my life. You know, Garoppolo's always thinking pass first. And that's amazing. Even though he has the athleticism to run and, he, you know, we saw him do that like one, like maybe, well, I think he, he run like five times, but it didn't, you know, it didn't always work out. I think he had one positive yards and he got sacked a couple times. But other than that, I thought he would get two touchdowns this time. I guess that prediction did not work out. Although had Carlos Hyde not slowed down and just kept stride, he would have for sure had a touchdown on that play. And and he knows it. You can see his body language on the sideline. He totally knew that he botched that one because it's like, why did you slow down? It's not Blaine Gabbert throwing the ball, for Christ's sake. So I don't know. I don't know what was going on in Carlos Hyde's head that day. But um, again, we had to – Carlos Hyde ran very well against a team that is a much better rushing defense than Chicago. So I was – again, so that that to me is another great sign. So Hyde struggled against Chicago last week. But in this week against a better run defense, he actually had a lot more runs, more positive runs that didn't just come in the fourth quarter when the defense was tired. They came multiple times throughout the game. So that was great. Mike well, can we Rita talk on about that for hand, a second? Sure. Can we, can we yeah. talk about can we talk about Carlos Hyde? I thought I thought that play he did with around 40 seconds left in the second quarter when it looked like we were just kind of, you know, maybe we were just kind of, you know, run a couple do a couple run plays, take a knee and go into the second half when he broke out and and took that run all the way down the sideline. And had he not stepped out of bounds, I mean, you know, that 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 he was pretty close right there. That looked like he was close to kind of breaking free. But I thought, I really thought that was the play where the 49ers kind of it was it was like that moment. It's like that moment in the Matrix when Neo. Remember, remember in the Matrix when he's downstairs in the subway and like Agent Smith is right there and like he turns because he can go, he can like go, he can run out of the subway. But then he decides, you know what? I'm gonna just turn around and face this dude. And he like turns to face Agent Smith. Remember that moment in the movie? Mm-hmm. Yes. It was like that was like the turning point where you're like, you're like, oh wow. Wow, Neo's starting to believe. Like when Carlos broke out for that run right there in the second quarter, to me, that was the moment. The 49ers said, you know what? No. No, we're not, we're not gonna go ahead into the locker room. We're gonna turn around and and, and we're gonna try to punch this in one more time. Like we're here to win. And like that play to me. I not not just on a physical level, but on a mental level. That that for me, that was the turning point. Like if there was if there was if we could point to one play, we're like, where? What play do you think like the 49ers really started to believe they could win this game? That was the play because Carlos Hyde could have easily phoned that run in. 37 seconds left. Ah, whatever. Blah blah blah. No big deal. Let's just you know, let's live to fight into the third quarter. Let's 
not get injured, but instead, man, he just went for it, and it just sparked. It is it in to me it like in reinvigorated the the offense, and it got them going and hyped again. Yeah, let's fucking go, you know. And so they just went, and I thought I really did, man. I thought that was the play, that play right there at the end of the second quarter. That was the turn. That was the turn in this game, and it was that that moment right there. It's like. I saw something that I haven't seen in the 49ers in a long time. And it was like, nah, nah, we're going to keep going. Like, we, we, fuck this. Sorry, I don't mean to curse a lot, but it's like, screw this. You know, like, we're, we're going. Like, no, nah, we're, we're going to play till there's zero, zero seconds left on the clock in this quarter. We're going to go right now. We're going to keep going. And it was like, damn, wait, this is, this is my 49ers. This is our 49ers. This is the team that we know and love. This is the team that we have watched in and out. This is the team that doesn't give up, that keeps fighting. And that play to me, man, that that play to me, that was the one. That was the one. That was the one where I was like, I'm, I'm, I, I, felt like uh, I felt like I was sitting there in the Nebuchadnezzar going, he's beginning to believe. <laughs> That's what I thought. Like, I really did. I was like, <laughs> he's beginning to believe. Yeah, well, there was, was like, the other play where he got the touchdown, where they they stuffed the middle. The play was designed to run up the middle. It's stuffed. He hits the hole that's plugged, and then bounces outside and gets the touchdown anyways. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, man. I just I thought that one play. It was just a psychological stance. No, 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 no. We're gonna go till there's zero seconds up on the clock. And I'm not saying that Kyle Shanahan designed that play to just be a a, a time killer. Let's get to the end of the the, the quarter. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that what he did in those moments and how he didn't phone it in, it was like that moment where the 49ers turned around and said, no, Houston, not today. No, no, this is, it ain't going to go down like this. And that play got me so pumped, and I really thought that was, a big, that was a big psychological turning point, not just for the team, I mean, not just for the game, but for the team, but for the season. Like, yes, that's it, man, that's it. And I haven't seen the Niners do that in so long. Um, anyways, I'm, I'm rambling now, but go ahead. Keep, keep going. As you were saying. No, it's just a, another terrific performance. The way that he throws the football, it's, it's like, you can, you can see how the three years behind Tom Brady sitting, learning, and then taking all those reps because Tom Brady doesn't take all those reps at his age now to preserve himself. He does get a lot of breaks and Jimmy gets a lot of those extra. So got, he got a lot of extra reps in his time in New England. So working with the ones in addition to the twos. So all that stuff is now paying off and showing up on film, not only in the practice with Niners, but obviously in game time, two weeks in a row, 70% completion percentage, 60% completion percentage. I mean, the one play over in the second quarter, it was, it was the second quarter, you know, a few minutes in and Jimmy G takes a shotgun snap he looks to his right, then he looks to his left, and then I'm sorry, looks to his left, then looks to his right, and then threads a needle over to, to um, what's his name, uh, Marquise Goodwin for like 20 yards. It was a terrific mm-hmm. throw because he's he's looking left at read number one, unless he's looking off the receiver. I don't know whether he has to read on his left or whether he's just looking off the receiver and then coming back to hit Marquise Goodwin on purpose because Marquise Goodwin is the number one right now. So it could very well have been that. I don't know for sure because I'm not in their head and they, you know, I don't know if they're going to reveal that later on. Sometimes they do in press conferences where they'll say, oh yeah, we intended to do this or intended to do that. But I don't know. Either way, it was still a terrific pass because he's, 
he just looks so polished and it doesn't seem to be phased by the game, you know? And, uh, I think, uh, so- someone else was saying, uh, they're like, Jimmy G so calm. I was expecting like, man, is, is he going to like spot, you know, his own, is he going to have his own John Candy moment in one of these games where he just kind of spots something? I think it was Cam, Cam Inman from, uh, Mercury News had said that where he says, is he going to have his own John Candy moment where he just like, cause he seems so calm. That just is kind of that's just kind of where his what his body language says. It's just like ah, I don't care. Like he's like I don't know wh- how he speaks to the players. I'd love to hear him mic'd up. That would be great. But based on the body language alone, you know, he just seems like no big thing. Like I'm here to do my job, and I'm and I feel really I'm really confident. Like he looks really confident in the pocket, outside the pocket, stepping up, stepping back, whether he's flat-footed, off his back foot, or on the run. He just seems really confident in any anything and everything that he's asked to do or stuff that he has to improvise on. Yeah, man. I mean, let's just, let's get back to I mean, how how fucking hyped are you off this dude right now? Jimmy Garoppolo is so dope to watch, man. He is so dope. Um the okay, let's talk about that calm. I I I saw at least 3 or 4 different times where literally the entire pocket is collapsing on him and he doesn't even break. He just sat there, looked, boom, pass, 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 and it reminded me of reminded me of Tom Brady. You know what I mean? That's I was like that's like a Tom Brady thing. I literally go, that's what Tom Brady does. And and it, like you said, there is really something to be said. You know, we have we have uh, two other big examples: Aaron Rodgers and Steve Young, right? The other two big examples that everyone talks about. You know, a quarterback who sat behind a Hall of Famer and how much of a difference that it made. And you're seeing it again here in Jimmy Garoppolo. It's it's really exciting because I feel like what we're looking at, you know. So, real quick, I know some some people from from the Goldcast Nation, from you know, from the faithful, have said, "Hey, you know, hey, let's not all start getting too crazy yet." All right, it's only been one or two games, but we're not talking about you. It's it's the difference in the mechanics, right? Right. It's the difference in the technical approach. Then mix with the intangibles, the confidence, the calm, the coolness, you know, the, the non-reaction to the pressure. It's the intangibles with the tangibles, with the, with the technical process of how he's approaching quarterbacking. I have not seen that in so long in San Francisco, and it's so awesome to see this happening again, to see a player playing at this level. And we're still at the bottom, man. We're just rebuilding. We've only won, what was it? Where were we at? Three games? That's it. Three games. So... Wait, wait till, wait till, let's wait till John Lynch and Kyle Shannon start rebuilding and putting this thing together next year. What's going to happen? And we, you, you mentioned it already, and I've seen a couple of other people saying it uh, around the, the forums and in articles. Jimmy G's making people look better. And that's huge. That is huge. So the one thing that I really noticed, just like I noticed this last week too, but I noticed it more this week only because we got similar results including the W that we did last week, is that players that were either playing subpar or mediocre or just are young and inexperienced look better under the facilitation of Jimmy G at quarterback. And obviously I'm talking about Marquise Goodwin, who's put back-to-back games together that have been better than his entire career accumulated. You know, he didn't have much of a quarterback over there in Buffalo. So coming over to us, Jimmy G's made him look like the player that people expected him to be when he was drafted. And I think that's a huge testament to Jimmy Garoppolo's, not only his, 
his time sort of polishing and learning the quarterback position under the best in the game right now in Tom Brady, but how he's able to translate what he's learned in not only into the practice, but also onto the field. And the results kind of speak for themselves. I Obviously, it's not it's not like 300 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. I mean, he threw one touchdown, one interception today. He had no touchdowns last week, had the touchdown in uh, backup when he came in to replace C.J. Beathard the week before that. But And one of those picks was technically a strip, to be honest. But in all fairness, you know, Trent Taylor looked great last week. I Obviously, he was kind of zoned in more this week, so they had guys taking care of the underneath throws with linebacker support, and they had safeties over the top to take away Marquise Goodwin's deep threat. But again, Jimmy G took advantage of intermediate throws, going to second and third reads if the first read wasn't open. So he spread the ball around to eight other receivers uh, on the offense. So this is a guy who makes something out of nothing. You know, we have unproven tight ends, you know, rookie tight end George Kittle wasn't necessarily a factor today, but that's a guy that's going to start to look better. Uh, Garrett Selleck hasn't really done much since we brought him onto the team, but has looked, you know, above average. You know, today he had, was above average. Kyle Juszczyk, highest paid fullback in the NFL. He had a big game today, has been sort of more used as a blocking component and a light passing threat and screen and flats, flat routes, you know, up to this point, but very, 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 you know, diminutive role in terms of the passing game. But today had two huge catches to really kind of prove why we paid him that extra money. So I'd really like to see him get incorporated in some more. But again, Jimmy G putting the ball where only Kyle's use check can make it and Kyle making a big play after that. So and and the, the ball placement is so precise that he's getting lots of yak from his receiving core after he's made the pass because of where the ball's placed, where the receiver, it's not behind where the receiver has to stop, make the catch, and then try to get some yaks, where a lot of times it's caught in stride and guys like Marquis Goodwin are able to get lots of extra yardage after the fact. So again, that's another testament to Jimmy's ability to read the field, scan the field, and anticipate his anticipation, the ball placement, the anticipation of his throws, the fact that he's hitting receivers where he believes that they should be and the receivers are are living up to that to that that practice, that conditioning that they've been doing all year long. So it's so- finally starting to pay off and come together because now we have a quarterback who's capable of putting it all, bringing it all together because of how polished he is and how well he understands his role and how he's supposed to complement the players around him. Uh, a, an average quarterback, a subpar quarterback, needs better players around him to make him play better like a Colin Kaepernick, like an Alex Smith. Whereas Jimmy G seems to be at least within these first couple games and also the first couple games in New England, which are a little bit different, but seems to be also projecting this level, this skill level where he's the opposite. He's above average. He's, you know, he's above average, meaning that he makes the other players around him look good. He doesn't need good players to make him look good. He's good enough to do the exact opposite. So imagine it, what happens when you put elite players around him. This elevates us into like greatness status, you know. So very curious to see how the offseason shapes up. But so far through these first two games, he's really, really delivered. So let's talk about the offseason, right? Because that's kind of one of those controversies that is springing up and this is just one of those this is one of those weird controversies where sometimes i go all right 49er faithful y'all need to calm down gold cast nation y'all need to calm down and what i mean by that is you know you, you get people complaining all year long why aren't we winning games you know what's up with this team i thought kyle shannon was good yada yada blah 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 you know and then we start winning games, and they're like, well, maybe we shouldn't be winning games. We should be fighting for draft position. This is going to ruin our spot. 
So let's talk about that for a second. So now the 49ers are in a situation here where we won two games in a row, as we mentioned earlier, first time since 2014. Now we are, with every win, we are compromising our draft position, or potentially compromising our draft position. So let's talk about that, Ray. What do you think about some of the critics who say, okay, we get it, we get it, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's great, he's good, but maybe we need to put him back onto the bench and lose out the rest of these games because we need we need a high draft position next year. What do you say to that? I say, you know, I'm going to say two things. So number one, I'm going to tell you right now, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are not thinking tank and are not thinking that a draft position is more important than building a winning culture now in preparation to in in to get momentum into next season. If you think that tanking the season to get a high draft pick is the key to winning success, then I'm going to tell you right now, um, what's your job in the NFL and how much do you get paid? Because the answer is most of the people I've heard that are calling into these radio stations talking about this crap don't have a job in the NFL. Thus, they do not receive a check from the NFL to make decisions like this or to even suggest or comment on suggestions like this. Therefore, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm not saying that I'm the end-all, be-all or that I'm an NFL employee. I'm not. But I know enough to know that when you have a team that's in a position like the 49ers and have a player like like Jimmy Garoppolo who appears to have a lot more than your average quarterback and you're starting to win games, which, yes, does by default affect your draft position, you need to stick to that winning culture because that's going to feed into the next season. You don't build a team by losing all your games, putting morale at an all-time low, affecting the confidence of your players, things that cannot be measured by statistical data. These, These are things that you can't put on a stat sheet. But are things that we can see with the eye test on the field of how your team starts to grow and change and build for the following season. No team goes 0-16 and then gets high draft picks and then goes to the playoffs the next year. It's a methodical process. You win a little bit at a time. You, you win two games one year, three games the next year, six games the next year, eight games the next year, 10, 12 games the, the third and fourth year, you know, uh, to, to give like a a very basic example, but you don't do it by just continually tanking, then get players. And it all seems, seems to come together like magic. No, it's a methodical process. So the, the coaches and the, the front office are not going to do that. They're not going to acquiesce to the people who think that that's what the Niners should do. A, you know, second, you're a moron for thinking such a thing. I'm not saying you're a moron, but I mean, people who think this are a moron. I doubt that you think this. I know you're, I know you're reserving your opinion right now, but I doubt that you fall into this category. I really do. And I obviously have an advantage because I know you very well. But the, the, the other part of it is my personal opinion, they need to build, they need to start winning now like they are doing. If they finish and beat, you know, one or two of the next three games because we're capable of beating the Rams, Brian Hoyer hang toe to toe with the Rams last time we faced them. And they are going to play a much different quarterback when we face them at the end of the season. And the other thing, too, is the Tennessee Titans don't have a great passing attack. They're a run first, pass second team. So if we stack the box and force force uh, Marcus Mariota to beat us with his arm, we're going to have a better time, you know, better, better chance of success winning that game, beating that team with that kind of game plan. And I wouldn't be surprised if we do that because I know that we struggle in the run. But if we stack the box and get some more helps and hands up there, we can hopefully— 
turn that team into a one-sided team, which they are not. They are a one-trick pony, but they're a one-trick pony on the running side of the football. That's a quarterback that's 10 and 14. But going back to my original point, the Niners need to win. And they need to win because this builds momentum, morale, and confidence for next season, which is a very, very important component to to winning in the NFL and winning the big, big show, the, the show that everyone's competing for in the first place. So if you want a chance at that, you have to build a winning culture and you have to build momentum into that. You can't just springboard into that. It's not a light switch that just gets to turn on automatically. I know that there are anomalous seasons that have happened in the past, but they're anomalous for a reason because they're few and far between. So in this case, I'm going to go with – I'm going to defer to Kyle Shanahan and, and John Lynch who know a hell of a lot more football than the people who think that the Niners should be tanking. And I'm going to say go out and win as many games as you can from now until the end of the season because that is going to pay huge dividends next year. Boom. Man, dropping the mic. Get the F out of here, even though I've said the F word several times. Get the F out of here. Ray, no, that was really good. And I agree. Raymond, I agree. The 49ers should be winning as many games as possible. Don't buy into this bullshit. We win all. No, screw draft position. Win now. Develop the culture now. Worry about worry about draft position later. One player is not going to change your entire team. This isn't basketball. This isn't baseball. This is football. There are 22 men, 11 on both sides of the ball. So one guy isn't going to change the culture around, and I agree with you 100%. Develop the culture now. Build momentum now. Develop yeah, you, habits. You're not you're not guaranteed success just by getting a bunch of tough picks. That We all know that the draft is a crapshoot, but you know people bet on the players that come out of college in the best of their class because there's a there's – typically a better chance of them becoming good players long-term than the players who are at the bottom level. But, I mean, look look at uh, Trent Brown. I understand he's been battling injuries this year, but this is a guy that that Von Miller says one of the best guards in the – or one of the best tackles in the NFL. And the guy was a seventh-round draft pick. Adrian Colbert came in today in relief of Dante Johnson. Adrian Colbert, seventh-round pick, playing good. Looks to be like he can be a competent defensive back in this in this league, which is hard to, hard to come by. But again, seventh pick. Niners have like eight or nine picks coming up next year. So we're going to have our pick of the litter to pick out guys. So just because they're not in a higher position – doesn't mean that they're not going to become players. Joe Montana was not a first-round pick. Tom Brady was not a first-round pick, okay? Your your greatness can come from any position in the draft. It just depends on how well you can see someone's potential and how well you can coach them up to that potential. That's what matters the most. Uh, you you tend to get a little bit of a break when you get a high-caliber player, you know, like a DeForest Buckner or uh, a Solomon Thomas, you know, who have a lot of skill sets coming into the NFL. It makes it e- makes the transition easier. But make no mistake, your greatness can come from any any round in the draft in any position. There it is. Now, Raymond, before we finish, that's next week. Next week we will def- we haven't talked to playoffs. We've basically just been focused on uh, Jimmy G and all of his uh, everything everything we've been seeing from the 49ers in general between him and Kyle Shanahan. That's been our focus. Next week we'll definitely do some playoff talk. Uh, because there's a lot going on outside of the 49ers, and we should talk about it. But before we finish, Ray, looking ahead to the Vegas odds, Tennessee Titans at San Francisco 49ers, guess what the line is. I'm going to say, I mean, Tennessee is technically a 
a playoff caliber team. Their their record is the inverse of the team we beat today. Uh, at least not not anymore, but it was prior to coming into this game. So that's a little shocking, but at the same time, Jimmy G's stock is rising. Each game, he seems to do better and better in, in little things. Or in, in this case, he's just kind of been very consistent. So I think uh, we have a good chance to win. You know, uh, the Tennessee Titans are a one-trick pony, meaning they're power running. They're not great in the past. Marcus Mariota doesn't light up the scoreboard. He's got 10 touchdowns, 14 picks, only a little over 2,500 passing yards, which means that if we stack the box and stop them from running and force Mariota to beat us with his arm, we might have a good chance of beating this team on the offensive end. On the defensive side, I think they're going to play they, – they can't risk – Jimmy G carving us up, so they're not going to stack the box. I think they're going to do what Chicago did. But uh, their their running defense is top five. Their passing defense is the exact same as Chicago. So I expect similar results to to that game. Uh, I just think that we're going to get into the end zone again. And I think, again, I thought Jimmy G would get two touchdowns last game. Carlos Hyde botched that one. So I think he's going to get two touchdowns this game. And the Niners are going to win by six. Boom. There it is. Yeah, man. I believe we're going to win, too. Let's go for it. Let's go. Yeah, one game at a time. I mean, Jacksonville's a different beast, but I think that Tennessee's much more beatable than uh, Jacksonville. I agree. Um, You know, their only big wide receiver threat is Rashad Matthews, and it's, you know, pretty inconsistent between him and Mariota. We'll see. This is These last three games are excellent tests for Jimmy G and for this kind of newly reinvigorated 49ers offense. We'll see what happens. I'm pretty excited. Can't wait for next week's game. Raymond, before we go, why don't you let them know where they can find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis. You can also find me on Instagram at Ray Solis one. Boom. You can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis three. You can find me on Twitter at Rudy Solis three RD Rudy Solis third. Here we go. Another week. Tennessee Titans coming into our house. Biggest test yet for Jimmy Garoppolo. We can't wait. We know you guys can't wait either. We'll talk about it next time on the Goldcast. Next week, here we go. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the Voice of the Faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time, same gold cast channel. This is, is the gold cast.